highlighting all the local and national stories which impact you. Isn't it amazing that the issues we had in the 60s with people killing us, now we're killing us, and we're not saying anything about it. Had white people come through Milwaukee and started killing black people, the world would have stopped on its axis because so many people would have shown up to defend the neighborhood. But yet crime is literally out of control. And we're talking about it? It's an issue? What is your plan? What's the secret? Bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. Milwaukee, like many other major cities in the United States, has some issues that we have to work on. And that's no secret. And I've been talking about those issues over the course of my campaign for mayor. You're joking, right? Talking about it? Where's the plan? We keep talking about plans, talking about strategies. Where is the plan? What are we doing? Frank, candid, and straight to the point. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. It's decimating the black community. Yeah, because y'all don't eat right. So when you get sick because you don't eat right, because you're overweight, and nobody tells you because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings because we live in a world now where if you hurt somebody's feelings, you might get arrested. It's ridiculous. Idiotic. If you know you're not supposed to have certain things because you have diabetes, don't eat it. Oh, but it tastes so good. Okay. Tell that to your children and your grandchildren who won't see you because you decided to eat. Doesn't make any sense to me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris. Dr. Ken Harris is on assignment. I'm Serena B. and I'm here with Kyle. And we've been talking about PC culture, loneliness, and now we are blessed to have Denise Calloway in the studio with us. She is the host of Connect MKE uh, Conversation on Race on my 24 and CW18. Did I get that yes, right? Yes, that is right. <laughs> um, and we're going to be talking about the upcoming episode. It airs next Monday at 7 p.m. And then there will be another episode that air- the same episode will air again on 18 on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday at 9 p.m. Yes. 7 p.m. 9, 9 p.m. PM. <laughs> okay, 9 I'll PM. get it right. <laughs> we'll let you tell us again so I don't mess it up. Um, but tell us what this episode is about. We're, you're looking at a couple of organizations that are here in Milwaukee that are, are contributing, doing really great things in the Milwaukee community. Uh, we Exist is one of them. So yes. tell us a little bit about the, the episode great. breakdown. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, the thing I love about the show in general is that I feel like I've been in Milwaukee a long time, but I feel like I learned something new about good things that people are doing. 
and things that I can really kind of take away and so hopefully as folks watch it, they're getting that same information. We Exist is really an exciting, dynamic um, organization that really started from grassroots. Jasmine Johnson, who many of us know, Jasmine's a dynamo and is a community leader, um, and Kira LaFond, who is the retired publisher and president of um, the Business Journal, they came up with this idea to create We Exist. And it started as a face-to-face -face meeting opportunity for professionals of color. Mm. Um, we know that there are not as many of us as there need to be to be reflective of the community in local businesses. And it's particularly hard for people who come from out of town, right? How do you make those connections? How do you know simple things like where can you get your hair done? Where at barbershop can you go to? If you have locks, where can you go? So it began really as kind of a twofold process with these face-to-face -face meetings helping people meet each other to make those connections mm -hmm. on a personal level, but then also professionally, kind of learning how to navigate um, communities and workplaces where you may be one of the only or the only, mm -hmm. and that opportunity sh to share and, and learn from each other. Then, of course, the pandemic hit, and that changed everything. So now, for the past couple of years, they have been working um, digitally. They've been, you know, uh, reaching out to each other through their platform. Um, and it's actually, they said, kind of taken them to places they didn't really expect because people had that opportunity to reach out to each other without the constraint of, can I be at this meeting at this particular time? Um, and it's given people the opportunity to have deeper connections and better connections. Businesses, more businesses, are also seeing the advantage of being associated with We Exist because mm -hmm. of how it works not only to recruit employees but to retain employees by creating that sense of community that a corporation just can't do. Um, so it's really been a great opportunity for people to have the opportunity to expand their connections with each other. U.S. Bank is now supporting it and is actually um, saying we want to go beyond just making sure that people have the ability to connect and to, um, and to be able to access information. We want to make sure that people are aware of the job opportunities and career opportunities we have at U.S. Bank. So they've been making that connection with them and putting out information about what their organization is doing um, to be able to really increase diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. I'm curious, I mean, um, you know, in the downtown business community, there are networking events all of the time, right? And the pandemic slowed those down, but they're now starting to come back in person. Why, why was it so important to have this group, especially for young uh, professionals of color? And how does that differ from what's already available today? Well, I think the big difference is that you are with groups of people 
who have experienced both some of the same opportunities and some of the same challenges that you have. And you don't necessarily have to explain it. You're able to have someone who can answer a question for you with the nuance that race always plays. Mm -hmm. And um, you're just able to have a place where you can get that kind of support that you need. And I know personally, maybe Kyle, you've been in the same boat, but I have been that only person of color at many yes. of my workplaces. Um, there's this idea that, uh, you know, that these companies are, are you know, starting their own DE&I initiatives, but that young professionals of color or professionals of color are over-mentored, but the doors are really not opening for them. How does We Exist impact that issue? How does that solve that problem, especially here in Milwaukee, where those opportunities are so limited? Right. Well, and I'll, I'll say this a little bit from my experience. When you are either the first or the only, part of what you want to do is to open that door, right? And so if you are able to connect with other people through a platform like We Exist, you can open that door and there are people who are already ready to come right through there and to be successful. So it's, it's really a great opportunity for people to be, able to, to be able to experience what it is like also to be in a group of other professionals of color who are also successful, who have these same goals. And so it creates this, not sense of community, it creates a real community. And I think that's one of the things that U.S. Bank saw as being important to it there was a sense of community that existed. And when you have that sense of community, um, you also then have, I think, a sense of belonging to the larger community. And so you are you're more willing to stay. And, and that's important. As companies don't just hire folks, they invest in folks. Mm -hmm. And so for people to be able to stay, grow within the community that they're in and grow within the corporation that they're in, at the end of the day, just strengthens and builds up more opportunities. All right. Well, thank you, Denise. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with you and learn more about We Exist. I want to hear how people can get involved in this organization and become a part of that community. We're also going to talk to you about what else is on this episode premiering next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Monday. 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 I told you guys I was going to mess this <laughs> but up, But Monday right? and Wednesday. You but do Monday and Wednesday. Wednesday. You have the right taste. You have the right taste. We'll be right back. We'll okay. see you guys on the other side. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Connect MKE <laughs> conversations on race is a vibe with Denise Callaway. It is, and I just have to share this with you guys during the break. Denise just 
told me this amazing little piece of information about her. About her. She was uh, a, a early reporter, a young reporter here at WTMJ. Yes. And she was one of the first black broadcast reporters that they ever had. Thank That's you. Fantastic. She deserves those days. That, I, like I said, that is amazing. Ring the bell. But I, but just knowing based off, you know, the, <laughs> the years we talked about you representing Indiana State here. Yeah. That's, that's kind of disappointing that it took that long for them to be able to have an African-American woman. Well, you know, um, I have spent my life as being the first or the only mm-hmm. in a lot of circumstances. Um, and... Um, I'm grateful for those chances that I have because the thing you do when you're the first is you you push the door open mm-hmm. so yes. it's easier for anybody else who comes in after you're there while you're there even better right um, so yeah it's um and pull people up right right, right. behind you because right. there, there was this sort of uh, I don't want to say stigma. There was this idea that once you got in that position, that you had to protect it at all costs, and that's changing, right? It, and, it, and more yeah. and more. Not to say people weren't opening right. the door for you, but there was just this idea that you had to protect your position. And now it's it's evolved, especially um, with with opportunities just like we exist today. So, can you share with us a little bit about how people can get involved in the organization and maybe? become a part of the community that's so necessary to making sure that black professionals are able to connect and grow just like any other groups, right? Right. Uh, They actually um, have an online platform that you can go to. Just Google We Exist and you'll be able to find it there. They have different ways and entries, uh, points where people can come in. Um, Also, keep looking at it because they do want to come back now to having in-person events. So that's one thing that will really be great. I know we are all anxious for that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And um, so keep an eye out for that. But, I mean, the thing I love about it is that it is this young energy that is focused so much on um, creating opportunities, growing the opportunities that are there, and then creating space for other people. And you meant, oh, go ahead, Kyle. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I know you were, were talking about there's other things that you all discussed in, in that and during that conversation uh, that will take place on Monday, August 15th, and then on the, C, uh, excuse me, on the my 24, and then on CW18 at 9 p.m. On, on Wednesday, Wednesday the yes. 17th. But I, I know there's a lot of freighter and MMAC. They're talking about increasing diversity and inclusion. But one thing I do want to talk about is the Street Keepers, a nonprofit-based org- initiative that helps keep neighborhoods clean while providing job skills to local residents. And so with that, understanding the importance of having a clean neighborhood. We are in the summer right now, so it's not yes. as dirty. But let me tell you this. Come it's November, winter. and then all of a sudden we get back to about March, we start seeing stuff on the ground and things that we're like, what is going on with the city? Can you just right. discuss a little bit what Street Keepers is? and what they talked about with you. Absolutely. So um, I have to tell you a little story. I found Street Keepers because I was on 76th Street. They're uh-huh. in the Havenwoods neighborhood. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so I was on 76th Street, and I saw this big, beautiful van that's painted. And it says Street Keepers on it. And these young folks who are out there in their little fluorescent vest picking stuff up. And my husband was driving. I said, you need to stop the car. I need to find out what's going on. So Street Keepers is a program of Havenwoods. They're young people who really are learning job skills as part of this. So they are out there with their very visible van. They're cleaning up public areas around the neighborhood. One one of the things that we know is that 
um, crime happens when there's disorder, right? And so mm -hmm. having yep. a, an intersection, um, a boulevard that's just filled with trash, that is disorder. And that sends a message that's not a good message or in many cases a true message about a neighborhood. So they're out there taking care of that particular piece to bring some pride back into the community um, and to let people know that there are people who are out there working to keep the neighborhood clean and keep the neighborhood safe and hopefully it inspires people to do the same, right? But they're also, as part of this, learning some job skills when they're not doing the work in the community. Um, they're not just picking up litter they're also engaging with residents at various neighborhood events. Oh, that's good. So it, it's all about taking that community, seeing a problem that exists, coming up with a creative way to address it, but looking beyond that and figuring out how you build community by working with young people to give them the opportunity to get some job skills, to get some career skills, and then to be able to, to move on and do other great things. That's fantastic. And I want to take a moment just to reinduce, uh, reintroduce you to uh, our listeners. So we are talking to Denise Calloway. She is the host of Connect MKE Conversations on Race. Uh, it is premiering on Monday. <laughs> we are going to get it right. <laughs> on CW. Monday at 7 o'clock on my 24, and then Wednesday at 9 o'clock on uh, CW18. Okay, we're just going to let her yeah, tell you, know you guys just, when just it watch, airs, just and, watch and, and all we'll post Monday it. Night. We'll post it on our social channels. Just watch all Monday and watch all Wednesday. But there it's, you go. And then it replays again it in, in the month of September and October. Yes, correct. Exactly. Correct. So you'll you'll have you'll have your uh, options to, to watch the yeah. episode from front to back, but you were also telling me during the break that there is um, uh, an, another initiative with MMAC and the Region of Choice initiative. If you're not familiar with it, it is a, a huge push to hire more managers of color um, across industries in uh, the M7 region, and they also talked with you. So tell us a little bit about what you guys talked about during your show. Right. Well, we talked with um, Kathy Jacobson. Kathy is the president and CEO of Freighted Health. She is also the president of MMAC. So we talked about the success that they're seeing with the region of choice. There are now hundreds of businesses that have made this commitment, which is, is huge um, in terms of Milwaukee now, and Milwaukee saying this is something that we absolutely have to be part of. All around, again, DEI, diversity, and equity, and inclusion, the interesting thing is, and Kathy talked a little bit about this from the perspective of Freighter, as well as some of these other companies, not too long ago, people looked at diversity, equity, and inclusion as kind of, oh, this lives over here in social justice. It lives over on its own little piece of, piece of the, the work we do. More and more companies now are seeing it as vital to their success. Um, at Freighter, for example, it is, it is part of everything that they measure, right? Um, when they take a look at all of the work that they are doing, diversity, equity, inclusion is right there, embedded in it. It's not separate from it. It is embedded in it. Um, and Kathy said that she's been there for 12 years. They were already starting to do this, but it's really just taken off in terms of an incredible commitment under her 
leadership there as president and CEO. The other thing that's interesting about what they're doing at Freighter is that they're not just measuring it on the business side, they're measuring it on the healthcare side in terms of mm -hmm. what they're providing to patients. So they actually measure what kind of services they're providing and are they reaching everybody with what they're with what they're doing on the healthcare side. And how are we doing when it comes to mammograms? Are we reaching our goals of, of seeing high levels of participation across all socioeconomic and racial groups? Um, and they're holding themselves accountable for that. You've been in the Milwaukee community for a while now. A you've while. also been yeah. <laughs> you've also been a journalist, right? Covering yes. the stories on the ground. I'm curious to know how you feel this push, you know, since George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement to improve DEI in Milwaukee. And I don't mean filling a seat because I yes. think that was sort of the the idea before was just sort of checking a box, making sure you have at least one black employee mm. here, maybe a Hispanic employee if you're yes. lucky. Do you feel optimistic that Milwaukee's moving in the right direction? I, I do. And I feel optimistic on two fronts. Number one, because of programs like Region of Choice, right? Mm -hmm. And businesses are making this commitment. We can argue about why they're making it and whether or not they're coming to the table for the right reason. Mm -hmm. um, for them, it is a business bottom line issue. They now understand that if you are truly going to grow your business, you need to have people who can tell you how your business works, translates, and how it needs to be set in a variety of different communities, mm -hmm. right? We are, Milwaukee is a majority-minority city, That's right. right? So if you're a business person and you don't know what you need to know in terms of interacting with Milwaukee's African-American, Latino, and Southeast Asian, as well as indigenous communities, you're going to have some trouble getting the things done you need to get done. You are not going to have, you know, for example, everybody has a customer service aspect of what we do. If you don't understand, know, and have people who can help you navigate the new cultural nuances, you're going to have problems, and you're not going to be successful. Companies see that now. So I'm glad to see it on that end. I'm also glad to see that as we look at people who are professionals of color now, <laughs> there, is, there is enough awareness and there are a growing number of us, so it is much easier to hold companies accountable. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard when you're the only one. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily stop us, but to have now this, I, I think we're kind of reaching a critical mass. There's still a long way to go. Yeah. But I, I'm optimistic that we are reaching this critical mass. The thing we have to be able to do um, as an overall community is make sure that we offer opportunities and access to people, not just so they get here. That's kind of easy in some ways, but having people stay. And, mm -hmm. and we need them not only on the professional side of things, but as a community that wants to continue to grow and stretch and do great things, we need people who have both the ability and the access 
to make those things happen. And we also need people to share important stories like this, which is why we were so glad to have you in the studio with us today, Denise. Denise, tell them one more time when they can catch the episode, which premieres next week. Okay. Connect MKE Conversations on Race. Our third episode premieres Monday the 15th at 7 o'clock on my 24, and then it repeats again next week. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you got a little cheat sheet. Uh, so you do. Thank you so much. Um, and then on uh, Wednesday, it repeats um, at um, 9 o'clock um, on uh, CW18. So um, I, I just want to give a little quick shout out to um, My24 and CW18. They really are committed to doing this. They're, this is a primetime special that they do. It's not running at 2 o'clock in, in the morning, you know, on sure. a Saturday yeah. or, you know, 5 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I mean, they really... Pete Monfrey, who is the general manager, says he wants to make this community a better community. Um, and this is one of the ways that he's working hard to do that. I certainly feel like we're moving the needle in the right direction. Yes. Denise, thank you for joining us. I hope thank you come you back. Thank you so much. I will. I thank will. You. Thank you. All right. We're going to break. We'll see you guys on the other side. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Rockefeller. You know what this is. We're giving y'all five seconds to put your drink down and report to the dance floor immediately. All the buses, we're giving y'all five seconds to get close to an exit. It's about to get real ugly in here. Five seconds is up. Let's go. Throw the hands up. Uh, uh. Throw the hands up. Ladies. Throw the hands up. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth After Night. Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris. Dr. Ken Harris is on assignment. I'm Serena B. filling in, and I'm here with Kyle today. 1017 The Truth is proud to be local and support local. This is why we are so excited to announce that the launch of our Truth Gridiron Game of the Week. Yep, that's right. 1017 The Truth is now home of the high school home of high school football. Friday Night Lights is officially living here. Tune in to The Truth every Friday as we bring you the best football action across the area. The Truth Gridiron Game of the Week kickoffs on Friday, August 19th at 7 p.m. and is presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Oh, man, I'm going to miss football games this fall. <sighs> We're going to miss it. Because my son is going off to college. Oh, he just was going. A football player. Oh, you can still you can still go and <laughs> but enjoy. I can still keep up with everybody by listening here. Yeah, just don't wear a pepperoni <laughs> pizza shirt to any of the games and you'll be okay. What? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. It. That's me coming full circle. I hear you. And I see it. I see it. And definitely connected. Shout out to okay. Denise Callaway from Connect MKE, the host of Connect MKE Conversation on Race, which premieres the episode three premieres on Monday the fifteenth at seven p.m. on my twenty four, and then again you can listen. Listen to it and watch the entire show on CW18 on Wednesday at 9 p.m. And it will run all throughout the month of September and October. So thank you to her stopping by. But, you know, Serena, when I come in here, DZ, you know, too, I really, I really don't fill in for Dr. Ken Harris. But a lot of times me and him go back and back and forth because, I mean, let's be honest, me and me and Ken are two different on two different sides of the perspective <laughs> right. uh, when we when we have conversations. But we both kind of, you know, we come to a consensus sometimes, not often. But. 
one thing I like to do is there's usually things that get me to tick. And so whenever I feel in for Tory Law, I usually talk about what's off the top of my mind that I saw or something that bothered me. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, Serena, I went to Walmart, as I usually do. I go to Wally World to get lunch. Don't judge me. I bought a salad, <laughs> and the salad was pretty. I checked the bag to make no, sure. No, their jelly's all right. It was, their jelly is all right. The salad was good. DZ, uh-huh. don't make that face. The salad was good. I like to get my Caesar salad. So I go I go into Walmart, and I went to Walmart. As I am, I'm in there. I hear a kid kind of like making a little bit of noise, mm-hmm. and I see, and then I hear a mother say, bring your ass over here. Stop snatching away from me and come on and started grabbing the girl. Now, what mm. bothered me about this is that it just was disheartening. Why it was disheartening is because of the fact that I used to work in education. I worked okay. uh, from the age of 14 up until 23. I actually worked in an after school program, a community learning center, uh, children's learning center, excuse me, with COA. And so I worked with kids and I worked with a lot of families and also was a substitute teacher oh, uh, wow. for a couple of years where I had opportunity to work with kids and, and, and not so much families or more kids, but still interacting in the school building. And one thing that's so disheartening that I see out in public so many times is the way that we, we talk to our kids in the future kings and queens just any old type of way i just it's very disheartening and when i heard this all i did was say dang like that kid literally to me not saying your life is determined by whether what's something said to you at a young age like that if it happens once but just how it perpetuates this cycle of using this type of language and talking to somebody as if you're angry or you're mad a a child this girl was no more than three years old a child like this and what that truly the effect that has on somebody and it just it was just on my chest saying man oh man and again i don't know what other communities do because i don't i'm I'm not a member of the white community i'm not a member of the asian community i'm not a member of the hispanic community i'm a member of the black community and i live in the black community and one thing that bothers me so much is when i see parents Talk to their kids as if they are adults, but talk with them, talk to them with such hate, it seems like. Like they're irritated. They, yeah. Like they're mad at the kid for doing something that a kid going to do. And I feel like, why is it at Walmart, though? Because I feel like. You see it at Walmart? I have seen this. And you know the Walmart over here. East Capitol. Wow, it, it's enjoyable. It's, 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 a, it's, a, yeah, one of, it's a wild it's one. one. Right. It's my favorite one to I go to. I also live off of, or I live near the one on 27th, which also has a similar atmosphere. Oh, really? are you talking about 27th and what? Uh, it's not just straight up on 27th. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I, yeah. I go to the one sometimes by Miller Parkway, and it seems very peaceful. Nah. Nah, oh, oh, that's nah. not that's, that's not peaceful? a wild Walmart too. Now, at least, see. at least Com- since in comparison, I've been in, in comparison, to East Capitol, that's peaceful. But so I've seen this a lot, and it it always like breaks my heart because I would never talk to my son like that. Like, listen, we as a parent, you have your moments, and sometimes they just irk in your nerves while you're shopping. You know what I mean? But when I see parents cussing their their little kids out or calling them out their name or snatching them up by the arm you know that to me is it's a signal that there's a lot more going on but it also makes me feel really bad for the child but but just what does that what does that mean though like for me you feel bad for the child, and I do as well. But what it means to me is that I look at cycles. And again, I, I literally, yeah. I might, I, I mean, I'm not young anymore, but I'm still relatively young. And so being in an education system, literally since I was 14 years old, so mm-hmm. for almost half my life at a point, I was in education, even working in higher education. And the one thing that I got to see is I got to see kids that were four-year-olds 
become now adults. Yeah, I got to see kids who, sure. were, who were who were seven year olds become adults. And and what I saw was, and sometimes I see the interactions that they have, and then I go back and I see the interactions through so social media and the way social that they talk. Media. And yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, this is a perpetuated cycle that we have that must be broken, and we have to understand that we need to uplift and treat these young kings and queens, and that's what I'll call them, these young future business folks these young future leaders we need to treat them as if they they are gold because that's exactly mm-hmm. what they are but when you talk down to somebody when you call somebody out they name that's what they are going to truly become and then what they do is they go and do the same exact thing because we talk about hurt people hurt people well if you don't know no better if that's how you're taught to parent that's how you're gonna be yeah and a lot of times it is it's a cycle of trauma most likely they were talked to they were talked like that, you know, by their own parents or their grandparents. And it is it is a cycle that perpetuates. I think, again, we were talking about mental health earlier. Tori was talking to, to a mental health uh, professional. And what we're seeing is that now we're starting to have conversations about why people are the way they are. I can tell you, yeah. as a child who had a, and I'll say this openly, I had a very angry father. A very angry father, mm-hmm. and it did affect me, and it still affects me to this day. He's in a good place now, and so are we. But it it is something that that scars you when you're when you're younger. It really does. So I just you know when I see these like videos on TikTok too, where they think it's funny that their kid is cussing or pretending to fight or pretending to get a gun, it's scary when I see that on TikTok. I'm like. I'm surprised CPS hasn't been called when you post, when you post crazy videos like that. I'm sure we've all seen it, or they're like you know filming their child drinking beer or wh- whatever it is. Um, you know, we just have to be careful that you know when we see that behavior. Uh, do you say something to no, people I, like it, that? Because no, I try to stay so, out of folks' business. Now, Serena, but, I'm gonna tell you. But I'm gonna be honest. One, there was one time, no lie. Yeah. I was on the east side and I watched this man beat this kid with a cane Jeez, and I did not know what to do because I was afraid he was going to turn on me Yeah, and I have felt guilty ever since I felt like I should have jumped in and did something he was outside this was like 6pm see I've had this happen too Serena mm-hmm. and what if in the moment it ceases it but then it just like tenfolds it when you're behind I've closed doors. That. I thought I honestly thought about that. I'm like, I, yeah, you do. You think about that because you don't know when they get home. A lot of times, people pay for it. They pay for it. And it, that's that's just not. Oh, you you drew attention to all those things. Listen, I. And, and so at familiar. What, I'm familiar. But see, and, see, and that's the sad thing when you talk about the trauma. And I know. Uh, it, there's a, there's a story that was shared about on a flight where a woman kept saying she was going to beat her kid's ass. Yeah. DZ had this story where, you know, if they kept not listening, you want to elaborate a little bit more on the, the story of DZ at all? Yeah, no, I got you. So we were on a flight back. It was my wife and I. It was after we were coming back from the cruise. And on our flight, there's across the aisle, there's a, a young lady and her daughter. Now, the daughter's fussy. You could tell she's tired cranky like she wasn't trying to be in the airport anyway from the moment we were at the ticket gate to get onto the flight she was talking about stand right get over here i'm gonna beat you on get, get over here get over like talking to her like you're talking to you know one another if you will like very adult like conversation mm-hmm. going get over here get over here throughout the entire flight any fuss the little girl made she i all, all i heard was stop shut up right now before i beat your arm Stop right now before I beat you. And everything the little girl did, said, or even made a motion to was, mm-hmm. hey, the conditioning of, hey, I'm going to beat you. 
I'm gonna beat you. Come on, like, come on, man. It's disheartening, isn't it? And how does that soothe a child? See, that's no. the thing that people don't think about is when you're so reactive. And I know these people have not been equipped with emotional coping skills, right? Like, if we're just being honest, but it doesn't help. And it actually creates anxiety, depression, all kinds of things when you get older. It really does. And it, so it's. Yeah, it's it's um, it's very unfortunate. I want to continue this conversation because the one thing I want to talk about on the other side is at what point do we stop this? And because for me, I'm not going. You said before, I don't get in other people's business. I mean, at the point, if it's, I try. It, it depends on what the situ what the situation <laughs> is. You got to evaluate all situations. I'm not going to get in somebody's business, but I, I'll be wanting to say something, but I just don't feel like it's my place because we live in a time now where I don't want to be walking up in here because I got my ass beat too. So, <laughs> so I definitely want to do that. But I want to talk about on the other side is how can we stop this and when does this stop? Keep it locked. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon on a new 1017 The Truth. If you do have any comments or you want to call in, hit us up at 833-212-1017. We'll be back in a second. This is the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Be sure to tune in to The Truth this Saturday at 10 a.m. for our brand new show, Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. Dr. Ken Harris will be joined by Dr. Bashir Easter and Pastor Marlon Lott, where they will have a discussion on spirit and health. So be sure to listen to Men Making Health a Priority at 10 a.m. this Saturday, presented by All of Us Milwaukee on the new 1017 The Truth. And before the break, we were having a conversation just talking about just my experience in Walmart. It seems like a lot of us have a similar experience in Walmart here or on a flight. Where Walmart is a microcosm of anywhere <laughs> that Walmart is located. No, no that's very, that is very true regardless of where the community is. And, yeah. and just how disheartening it is to hear the language that some people use with their children. Again, I, I, I'm speaking specifically on the black community because that's the community I was raised in. That's the community that uh, I seem tend to have a little bit more empathy towards uh, when it comes to seeing situations. that It just tears at my heart. Not saying if I saw a little white kid being talked to like that, I wouldn't have the same... I wouldn't have the exact same emotions. I'm being honest. I would. I'd probably be like, dang, these country bunkers is wild out here. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, living living down south and seeing, you know, like the poverty whew, was across the board. Something different. It was something different. Some, listen, I've been. Listen, so I've seen a lot of this. I, yeah. I went down to my, my uh, great aunt's funeral in like 2015, 2016 in Grenada, Mississippi. And let Ooh. me tell you, I didn't realize <laughs> people lived in shack houses until that moment. For real. I, with I dirt said, floors, yeah. no electricity, and sometimes no plumbing. And I was I, like, what is going on? They would go find some pallets and some cheap wood that they'd take out from the back of a manufacturing no, facility or something and build themselves their own house on a little bit of land. That's popo. Yeah. But defund the FBI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but <laughs> before before the break, I teased a little bit. At what point do we stop this? Because the thing to me is this. I, I look at the way I was raised and my family was raised. And did I get whoopings? Yeah. Did I get disciplined? Absolutely. Did mm -hmm. I get yelled at? Yes, I, I did get yelled at. But I was never talked to or demeaned as if treated as if I was less than. Like I understood my place, but I also felt I was so supported and uplifted. And I was never 
talked to as if somebody hated me or somebody wanted to be aggressive toward me. like I feel like a lot of these people come from a place of anger and when are we going to understand as a whole everybody not just not just 70% of us understanding it mm-hmm. that other 30 as a whole and as a community when are we going to understand that we need to talk to a, these kids in an encouraging way in order to embed in them that this is the way that you treat people and this is the way that you talk to people and that you are great. Like, at yeah. what point are we going to learn that, that that way of parenting is not going to breed success? I think it's not going to happen unless we continue these conversations around trauma and mental health because I think that that's the root of behavior like that. If you are not taught how to cope with the emotions, if you're not taught how to manage stress, then you take it out on the people around you. And a lot of times that is a parent and a child. And a lot of times, if we're just being honest, it's also typically in lower socioeconomic uh, no, no, you know, situation. Circle, yeah, yeah, no, situation. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about the compounded stress that a lot of people are dealing with, it's easy to take it out on the people no, around you. A- absolutely. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, it's it's such a a big problem. I think what's important is that these kids have a support system sometimes outside of the home, which can be sports, which can be you know the YMCA, which can be school and their teachers, and making sure that they have those opportunities to seek out external support i think yeah family neighbors you know people jumping in no i agree to encourage them 833-212-1017 that is the talking text line and lt on the talking text line did say when women act like that in public it's not about disciplining the child it is about them shouting put that down or i'm um about to whoop your ass out or something like that. I'm trying to read this here. It's about moms <laughs> trying to draw attention to themselves, looking around to see who's watching them, laughing about it with their friend. And I don't ever see white women doing this, so I know exactly who you're talking about. And I'll object to the last piece. Me too. I've seen lots of white women do this. I get, I, now, I ain't going to lie now. I don't swim in a lot of circles that, that, that in, I, listen, I don't be in air. I think it's more socioeconomic. When it comes to things, because I, I think I that's too. the biggest thing. When it, when people talk about black people and all this, I always talk about. It's well, not a black problem. It, it's not that's a black. What, pro- that's what it, I want to like, get across. It's not yeah. a black problem, and I hate when people think black people are poor because we're not. Because statistically, when you look at it, the majority of African Americans are, are are living are middle class individuals or higher. We only have a, a, a certain percent that is you know not middle class. So I just want people to understand that this is not just a black problem. But if you live in if you live in Milwaukee. And you only go to Walmart and on, you know, I go East Capitol. Mm-hmm. I go out there on Silver Spring. Okay. I go, I've been to Brown Deer. I, I have gone to the one on uh, by Miller Parkway. Those are areas that are going to be more diverse. Uh, excuse me. It's going to have a more diverse population of yeah. African-Americans and Hispanics. But I'm sure if you go all the way out to Grafton or go to Hickville somewhere or somewhere down in Mississippi, you're going to see something different where it's going to be an interaction just like that. So I think mm-hmm. it really is the environment that you're in. And then one more here on the talking text. We have somebody said, I see it and hear it every day at my school. I agree. It's just those young scholars develop into angry teens then angry adults and that's the problem that we have is that what it is creating at such a young, yeah i mean it just scars your self-esteem i don't know how else to put it and then when you have that problem then yeah then you continue the cycle absolutely 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 so yeah so we'll, we'll definitely uh We'll definitely uh, just have to hope but i just had to get that off my chest today because it was something that i that i saw that I felt like. Do you feel better talking about it? No, I don't feel better talking about it. Actually, I didn't. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. 
I was trying to tie this back to like the importance of mental health oh. and like talking about. Let me tell you, we don't have enough. To, there's not one show here. here. Yeah, I, sure. I, I've never. We're not gonna get it done today. I've never seen a therapist a day in my life. What? I've oh, never we even, might have to come back. To I, that I feel like I feel like I'm pretty mentally stable. What do you no. think, DZ? It's not a reactive thing. You have to be proactive. Oh, DZ, with an. I feel Thank like I'm pretty you. mentally stable. I may have an emotional breakdown one day, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm decently yeah, it stable. Yeah, like this is a No, but I, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go to a therapist one day. Okay. One day, but I mean, I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying. No. Well, at least I'm not one of these lunatics who think that the uh, the FBI should be shot up or think that it needs to be defunded because of the fact that somebody broke just the law. Just make sure you're not eating triangle pizza. That, that apparent, oh, that's something that's else that apparently you learn. A, some kind of sign. I just ate triangle pizza <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday, right? Jack ate some Jack's pizza. Right. Also, love me some Polaris. We gotta do pizza. Detroit style, I guess. We uh, have to be rectangle boats. Yeah, actually, and you know, here's the thing though. I had two Jack's pizzas. One was I had my little cousin over. I wasn't eating by myself. Cut one in triangles, the other one in squares. I like, you know, I like to mix it up a little bit. Just don't, don't tell the people in, in certain areas of Waukesha. Nah, I'm not a pedophile. But <laughs> y'all check out that video with Jordan Klepper in Waukesha. It's super Absolutely. interesting. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us here today, Miss Serena B. You can take thank us out. You. Such a pleasure to be here. Y'all have a blessed evening.